Hey there, this is Nathan Agan, and welcome to The Working Actor's Journey, connecting you with lifelong professionals. This podcast is designed to show you how the work is done, what the realities of the working actor life are like, and to share all the different ways actors have come to this career. So today we have a workshop scene from Shakespeare's As You Like It. We've actually done a few rounds from this play. And we have another all-pro group. All the actors in the scene are professionals, and the work has been really fun and deeply rich. From May 2021 and directed by Elizabeth Dennehy, it's Act 3, Scene 5 from the play. We'll call this Sweet Phoebe. You can find our two previous As You Like It workshops on the podcast and YouTube, where we dive into the wrestling scene and then multiple sections with Rosalind and Celia. That second one was actually our other all-pro group. So here's a quick scene summary of what you're about to hear. Sylvius tries in vain to get an answer from Phoebe regarding her love. Rosalind chides Phoebe about her treatment of Sylvius, and Phoebe ends up falling in love with Ganymede, which is, of course, Rosalind in disguise as a man. After Rosalind departs, Phoebe convinces Sylvius to bring a letter to this Ganymede, and Sylvius is delighted to do so. Now, you can catch up on our other workshops featuring Hamlet, King Lear, Troilus and Cressida, Midsummer, and our Twelfth Night Repertory Extravaganza, all on the podcast and YouTube. And if you're brand new, we released Season 5 of the interviews this year. Hear fantastic conversations with lifelong actors who have also been part of our workshops— Marilyn Jones, Alberto Isaac, and Marcelo Tubert, plus James Newcomb and Elizabeth Dennehy, two artists you'll hear in today's episode. So if you've only heard or seen these actors play characters, go check out their individual episodes to hear all about their stories and journeys. Really great conversations, all of them. Plus, you can also find the 25-plus other interviews from our first four seasons. Go to WorkingActorsJourney.com to find links to everything. Okay, back to today's episode and 3-5 from As You Like It. Our cast includes James Newcomb as Sylvius, Erica Rolfsrud as Phoebe, and Megan Boeing as Rosalind, with Philippa Kelly as Dramaturg, and our director Elizabeth Dennehy is back after acting in two previous workshops of King Lear and Julius Caesar, which you'll find on the podcast and on YouTube. As I mentioned, this is our second time with an all-pro group, and it really didn't disappoint. Far from it. Our dramaturg, Philippa, said that she found it so mind-blowingly good how fully the actors and director jumped into the scene, that it's not something she usually experiences, and I don't think I could have said it better myself. I mean, this is part of the reason I've been producing these workshops, to watch excellent people do their thing. It's exciting whatever industry you're in, seeing someone who is so capable and rises to the challenge. It's just thrilling. Now, with this scene particularly, what was also fun here is that Jamie revisits a role he first worked on in his 20s during the beginning days at Shakespeare and Company. And it's just amazing what both he and Erica can bring to these two lovers— You don't for a second think about age. It's just so true with passion and emotion. These are parts that typically go to younger actors in a cast, and I'm sure neither Jamie nor Erica really thought about playing these parts again, 
But what a treat to see what two professional actors can bring here with all of their life experience. I also know Megan has played Rosalind before, so it was wonderful to see her go even deeper with the part. So, without further ado, here we go with the rehearsal room presentation of As You Like It from May 2021. Yeah, again, welcome everybody to this uh, presentation of As You Like It. Uh, This group, this kind of all-pro group, uh, has uh, been working uh, over the last, uh, you know, two, three weeks uh, on this scene from As You Like It. Uh, It's a lot of fun. I will uh, just give you a little bit of context of what this is in case you're totally new to this. So my name is Nathan Agan. Uh, I'm the producer and host of The Working Actor's Journey, and that started as a podcast, and now we've been doing uh, these uh, scene uh, workshops You'll see a presentation of uh, the culmination of one of those scenes. We have others coming up. I'll tell you in a second how you can see more of those. Um, And uh, yeah, it's been really fun to create this format where newer actors, whether they're uh, younger or older, but they're, they're, you know, in the first maybe decade of their career, they get to work with uh, these professional actors and and directors and coaches uh, on this material. So it's been a lot of fun. And I will mention uh, the uh, charity for this evening is the Independent Shakespeare Company out of Los Angeles. Uh, And so uh, we appreciate um, those who have uh, donated. Uh, They're they're a great group. I've I've seen them perform. And uh, what's nice, uh, Elizabeth told me, is that they've been they've been continuing to pay their staff uh, during all this time, even though they've been, you know, they've had no productions up. So just through classes or other, you know, uh, other bootstrapping ideas, they've, they've made it work. So, um, so yeah, that's one way to support uh, the arts uh, tonight. So, um, and uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, this is something we're particularly excited about in this format because we're not tied to a specific production or aesthetic or audience uh, that, and I've been just kind of uh, taught this term recently, you know, it was familiar for me to use, gender blind casting and and all that kind of stuff but one of the actors in our other group said well it's we're we're not blind to it like we're still very aware it's it is what it is so they encouraged the use of the term like gender conscious and uh uh, uh age conscious and uh, uh color conscious all that kind of stuff that we, we are we can focus on those things in a way that we might not be able to at a traditional theater or because of the audience or whatever. So it's exciting that, uh, you know, in, in these scenes, in these workshops, we can explore that uh, in a way. So, uh, so that's something that has been fun and you'll see that tonight. Uh, Sylvius is, uh, you know, not usually someone, you know, over 40. And, and uh, so that's, it's just fun. And yet you'll, I know, I know, Jamie, I didn't mean to, I I didn't mean to surprise you about that, Uh. but and this may come up later. Jamie actually has a connection to Sylvius from his younger days. Maybe he'll he'll share that later. Um, but what's what's wonderful is you get to see the work that these professional actors bring to these parts. I'm kind of getting into the Q and A ahead myself, but you know you usually see the junior members of a company doing this work, uh, and now you get to see the actors that would probably be playing the leads play these characters. So it's uh, it's really wonderful, really exciting. I will stop. That's enough for me for now. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Elizabeth Dennehy, who's been uh, directing the group. Hi, everybody. Um, so this is sort of a full circle uh, moment for me because Jamie and I met a million years ago doing a production of As You Like It at Shakespeare and Company, in which you played Amien, the singer, 
right? And a bunch of other parts, I think. And I was uh, Audrey. So I... I love this scene. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I was going to say the other great thing about this medium is we don't have to, we can be location conscious. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. So I live in Los Angeles. I am a Shakespeare nerd. Um, love, I love doing Shakespeare. I teach at the Los Angeles County high school for the arts, 10th grade Shakespeare. Um, which it's, it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. <laughs> crawling across the finish line because it's been 14 months on zoom, which has been exhausting. So, um, I was, uh, I did a couple of scenes with this group, um, Antony and Cleopatra. No, no, Julius Caesar, God. And, um, Julius Caesar with Peter Van Norden and Jeffrey (gasps) Wade directing and King Lear with Tony Amendola as Lear. So when Nathan asked me what scene I want to direct, I thought of this one because, it's been a lot of drama. It's been a lot of tragedy and a lot of intensity. And I really love the scene. I think the scene is as funny as the four lovers in Midsummer, And everybody does that scene. When you want to talk about like the wrong people being in love with the wrong people, I think, and look at all the speeches. Everybody does these speeches and it's filled with great di- dialogue and great speeches. And I think it's really, really hysterically funny. So um, I'm delighted to have worked with this group. They are so amazing. They're just perfect for their parts. I just have to get out of their way. So Philippa. All right, perfect. Yeah. And and so, yeah, and I'm sorry, let me introduce. uh, So I, the the dramaturg, uh, that's the other wonderful thing about this medium is we can bring in people that might get short shrift at, at a, a typical production. So uh, Philippa Kelly is a resident dramaturg with California Shakespeare theater. And uh, it's just been wonderful to have, uh, her in the mix to be able to bring, you know, additional ideas and insights. So, uh, yeah, so thrilled, uh, Philippa, you can be with us. And, uh, yeah, what would you like to share about the scene? Well, I am delighted to be here with these astonishingly wonderful actors and Elizabeth director. Um, just to say a, a little bit about this really um, quite incredible play in that I think it, when we think of, you know, um, Ancestry.com and all kinds of of media we have today um, designed to help us know uniquely who we are. And As You Like It is all about this idea that we want to know what makes it us unique and yet at every step there are all kinds of pairings um, one brother against another and, and another against another and two cousins who feel more like sisters and everybody knows each other with somebody else as their what we call foil. And, and I think that is very distinctly um, similar to what we have in our lives. Now, in this particular scene that you see, um, it is hilarious and it is, you'll see um, Rosalind, who um, I think Harold Bloom said that besides Hamlet and Falstaff, uh, Rosalind was his most, his favourite character in the whole of, of Shakespeare. Um, and you'll see her um, react, relating to a shepherd um, and to Phoebe, who the, the, the shepherd is, 
terribly fond of. And Phoebe is in love with Rosalind, but in the guise of a young man, Ganymede. So the only other thing I wanted to add here, because the actors will bring this whole thing to life, is that in Shakespeare's time, um, people... Uh, so the, the medical belief was that uh, that that women and men basically had no distinction between their actual organs, except that the male organs were seen as more mature than the women's, and they grew to the outside, whereas uh, women kept their organs inside, and so the organs had not dropped. And so imagine in Shakespeare's time this idea of gender fluidity having such a a basis in the medical knowledge of the time and I'd love you just to compare that to how we think about gender and gender fluidity today and what makes us uniquely who we are. Thanks, and just be prepared for a wonderful scene, everybody. I also want to say, um, I forgot to mention before, um, If though for those of you who know the play, I've put a speech of Sylvia's from earlier in the play at the beginning of the scene um, because I wanted to give him more, more words to say. So if he starts that, you're not going, huh? Are we ready? Yes. Places for as you like it. Oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe. Oh, Corin, that thou knewest how I do love her. No, Corin, being old, thou canst not guess. No. In thy youth, thou wast as true a lover as ever sighed upon a midnight pillow. But if thy love were ever like to mine, as sure I think did never man love so. How many actions most ridiculous hast thou been drawn to by thy fantasy? Oh. Thou didst then never love so heartily. If thou rememberest not the slightest folly that ever love did make thee run into, thou hast not loved. Or if thou hast not sat, as I do now, wearying my hearer, thy hearer in thy mistress' praise, thou hast not loved. Or, if thou hast not broke from company, abruptly, as my passion now makes me, thou hast not loved. Oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe. Oh, God. Sweet Phoebe. (laughs) Do not scorn me. Do not, Phoebe, say that thou love me not, but say not so in bitterness, 
The common executioner, whose heart the accustomed sight of death makes hard, falls not the axe upon the humbled neck, but first begs pardon. <laughs> Will you sterner be than he that dies and lives by bloody drops? I would not be thy executioner. I fly thee, for I would not injure thee. Thou tell'st me there is murder in mine eye. Tis pretty sure and very probable that eyes that are the frailest and softest things who shut their coward gates on enemies should be called tyrants, butchers, murderers. Now, I do frown on thee with all my heart. And if mine eye can wound, now let them kill thee. <laughs> now, counterfeit to swoon. Why, now, fall down, or if thou canst not, oh, for shame, for shame, lie not to say mine eyes are murderers. Now show the wound mine eye hath made in thee. Scratch thee but with a pin, and there remains some scar of it. Lean upon a rush, the cicatrice and capable impressure thy palm some moment keeps. But now mine eyes, which I have darted at thee, hurt thee not. Nor I am sure there is no force in eyes that can do hurt. Oh, dear Phoebe. <laughs> if ever, as that ever may be near, you meet in some fresh cheek the power of fancy, then shall you know the wounds invisible that love's keen arrows make. <laughs> Till that time. Come not thou near me. Oh. When that time comes, afflict me with thy mocks. Pity me not, as till that time I shall not pity thee. And why, I pray you, who might be your mother that you insult, exalted all at once over the wretched? But though you have no beauty, by my faith, I see no more in you than without candle may go dark to bed. Must you therefore be proud and pitiless? Wait, what, what means this? Why look you so on me? I see no more in you than in the ordinary of nature's cell work. All of my little life, I think she means to tangle my eyes too. No, 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 faith. Proud mistress, hope not after it. Tis not your inky brow, your black silk hair, your bugle eyeballs, nor your cheek of cream can entame my spirit to your worship. You foolish shepherd, wherefore do you follow her like Foggy south, puffing with wind and rain. You are a thousand times a proper man than she a woman. Oh, to such fools as you make the world full of ill-favored children. Tis not her glass, but you that flatters her. And out of you she sees herself more proper than any of her liniments can show her. Oh, but mistress, know thyself. Down on your knees and thank heaven fasting for a good man's love. For I may tell you, friendly in your ear, sell when you can. You are not for all markets. Ooh. Cry the man mercy. Love him. Take his offer. Foul is most foul, being foul to be a scoffer. So take her to you, shepherd. Fare you well. Ah, sweet youth. I pray you chide a year together. <laughs> I had rather hear you chide than this man woo. 
he's fallen in love with your foulness. Oh, and <laughs> she'll fall in love with my anger. If it be so, as fast as she answers thee with frowning looks, I'll sauce her with bitter words. Why look you so upon me? For no ill will, I bear you. I pray you, do not fall in love with me, for I am falser than vows made in wine. Besides, I like you not. If you will know my house, it's at the tuft of olives here hard by. Shepherd, ply her hard. Shepherdess, look on him better, and be not proud. (laughs) Though all the world can see, none could be so abused in sight as he. Fairly well. Dear, dead shepherd, now I find thy soul of might. Whoever loved that loved not at first sight. Sweet Phoebe. Huh? What sayst thou, Sylvia? Sweet Phoebe, pity me. Why? I am sorry for thee, gentle Sylvius. Wherever sorrow is, relief would be if you do sorrow at my grief in love by giving love your sorrow and my grief were both extermined. (laughs) Thou hast my love. Is not that neighborly? I would have you. (laughs) Why, that were covetousness. Silvius, the time was that I hated thee, and yet it is not that I bear thee love, I will endure, and I'll employ thee too. But do not look for further recompense than thine own gladness that thou art employed. So holy and so perfect is my love, and I in such a poverty of grace, that I shall think it a most plenteous crop to glean the broken ears after the man that the main harvest reaps. Loose now and then a scattered smile, and that I'll live upon. Mm-hmm. Mm. Knowst thou the youth that spoke to me erewhile? Uh, not very well. Mm. Um, but I have met him off, and he hath bought the cottage in the bounds that the old car lot once was master of. Mm. Oh, think not I love him, though I ask for him. Tis but a peevish boy. Yet he talks well, but what care I for words? (laughs) Yet words do well when he that speaks them pleases those that hear. It is a pretty youth. (laughs) Oh, not very pretty. But sure, he's proud. And yet his pride becomes him. (laughs) Yeah, he'll make a proper man. The best thing in him is his complexion. And faster than his tongue did make offense, his eye did heal it up. He's not very tall. Yet for his years, he's tall. His leg is but so-so. And yet tis well. Oh, there was a pretty redness in his lip. A little riper and more lusty red than that mixed in his cheek. "'Twas just the difference betwixt the constant red and mingled damask. Ooh. <laughs> oh, there be some women, Sylvius, had they marked him in parcels as I did, would have gone near to fall in love with him. But for my part, 
I love him not, nor hate him not. And yet, I have more cause to hate him than to love him. For what did he to do to chide at me? He said mine eyes were black and my hair black, and now I am remembered, scorned at me. I marvel why I answered not again, but that's all one. <gasps> Omittance is no quittance. <laughs> I'll write him a very taunting letter, and thou shalt bear it. Wilt thou, Sylvius? Phoebe, with all my heart. I'll write it straight. The matter's in my head and in my heart. I will be bitter with him and passing short. <laughs> Go with me, Sylvius. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't fun at all. No. <laughs> that was, I was cackling, cackling, cackling. So, so fun. I have no notes. I mean, you guys are so great. I mean, I, there are all these things that I, that I, I, I personally, I don't know if you if you like this, but I love lines where every word is one syllable. And every single time one of you had that, you totally used it percussively. If you know what I mean? Like, but what had he to do to chide at me? Just, I mean, it was like, like, I thought something, I wanted to see something, and it happened. It was really, really spectacular. You really buy a lottery really. ticket. Hmm? You should you buy guys, a lottery ticket. You need to do this show. You need to do this show. And you're not, Jamie, you're perfect, Sylvius. You're so, so funny. Hilarious. I see, like, no, no. Thank you very much. Why, uh, you know, yes. Sorry. It was fun to do. It, it's an odd thing, uh, the Zoom thing, but... Uh, yeah, you have a part where you don't say a lot. You react. You react. And I, you know, I, I knew a guy that went to a party in Hollywood once and he, he saw Harrison Ford there and uh, he, he, he was a big fan and he came up to him. He got the nerve to go up and, and say, uh, Mr. Ford, I just want to say I, I love your work. And he said, funny faces, kid. Funny faces. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> how did that feel for everybody? That was it was fun. Uh, I, I just you know it's the uh, the physicality that it, it's it's interesting that you know the, to play it just to the camera and play off of because what I was I was looking in the camera you know and I, I didn't get to clock Erica I could I could look over at Megan because she was somebody else in in the room but I was playing. And it, you know, Erica as 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 Phoebe in the camera, so it was it was I, I was trying to react to just what she was saying, and uh, you know, uh, uh, and for the most part, but it but it's the it's the uh, for me anyway the physical impulse that you can't act on um, in the in this in this venue, which you know, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, you know, right. and, and it's acquired uh, skill, you know, I mean, I think if we, you know, if we were working on the play or if we were working on, on an expansive scene, you know, that we had time to, to orchestrate, you know, reaction with dialogue with, you know what I mean? 
Elizabeth. Yeah. You know that it, it, so so cuz it seems like like it is in the camera reaction is is the physicality is that you know in in an odd way. I mean we can come into the camera we can pull back. Right. Or turn, you know. Um I I'd, I'd actually, you know, love to do sorry, I'm going on. No, no, no. Over, I love uh, it. Love to do one of these memorized. Mm, mm. You know, I mean, it's it's great to do a reading, and I and, and readings readings great. But if it was if it was, I don't know, it, it was. No, I know what you mean. that out there. I'm know? doing this uh, two gents, and so I can come in. I enter, and I can talk and move around, and then come really close to the camera. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Trying to memorize it, but it's yeah, it's been hard. It's, no. It, I had the I had the thought about the you know talking about the physicality and I was like oh you're gonna be big on this camera because it's kind of fun also to uh, play the monologues very I hate to use the word small but uh, a little bit more intensely and you know in there and it's really the editor who's in charge when you're doing camera of the take and the response and that kind of a thing. I wish there was a way, and I might be uh, outing myself as a total Luddite, that you could drop and drag the whoever you're talking to to where you need your eye to be. You can. See? You just have to, yeah, If well, depending on how you do it, that on what, what platform you're on. Well, you, um, can pin. you can pin. Yeah, you can pin them, and then I think—I mean, on my iPad, I can do it with my finger. But I think if you—if you're on a desktop, you can do it with your mouse, where you can move people around. Because I was doing it the other week. I might. Try and I found time. for myself because I—I I have been doing it on a desktop with my phone as a camera. There's like a program you can do, and I had the the phone low enough that I had, you know, Jamie on one side and Erica on the other. So I was like, oh, here is my Sylvia, and here is my, and it worked really well. And this, I, I'm on my iPad where the camera's on the the side. So I had one eye on Jamie, but I couldn't really see the Erica at all. And it's like, well, then you're, you're just acting with yourself. And like, is it better than to just like, I'm not ever looking directly at anyone, but I'm really seeing who I'm talking to. And it, it is, it's a, it's a very strange challenge on a, on a different uh, device. Totally. Yeah. Sorry, Jamie. So I, when I'm doing this, um, two gents, I pin the guy who's playing Valentine and I hide myself view. So all I see is him and I move his square to right under the camera. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I thought was curious about, although Philippa, do you have something to say? Oh, I was just going to say very briefly, um, I, uh, Erica, I loved your expression when you were describing how you're described black hair, black eyes, you know, very unhappy to be describing this. And I was just going to mention to anybody um, watching this that what's so intriguing is we can actually date um, a sonnet like 130 by this play because you know that the um if if hairs be black black hairs grow on her head and uh, black wires grow on her head I'm sorry and so uh Shakespeare was obviously thinking about this at the very same time that he was writing sonnet 130 and just for the members of the audience because we have no records of of any of these plays or sonnets in Shakespeare's original hand and so that's one of the ways we do our dating to actually think of those lines and pair them together. 
That's really fascinating. Yeah, I I love it. It's like I, I was saying earlier that this was really well. Well, no, I, we were talking about two gents. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I kind of want to play Phoebe like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, obviously, Erica, you were doing hitting the now. Now, counterfeit to swoon. Now, fall down. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Note. What is that? Go ahead. But it it was very funny because when when. Uh, um, Megan was doing, you know, and why I pray you that speech, you know, especially on Zoom, having to be careful not to speak over because you don't know if the volume will go out, but also to be sitting there live, but not making a sound. You know, th- there's so funny because if you, on stage, while you wouldn't necessarily be vocalizing while you're listening to this, there would be a, a life to it and a breathing that just doesn't exist in in the dimension of this medium, I guess. But it was in, it was interesting to notice. Well, Elizabeth, you had mentioned before we got started, um, and I'm just curious if you wanted to still do this. I think you were talking about maybe working on some of the speeches with each, with each of the actors? Was that something you wanted to Well, if you if you'll, if you'll indulge me, um, I, I, when, when the world went to stay at home, I joined every single kind of Zoom Shakespeare group I could because I knew I was going to have to learn how to teach kids. And um, I, I've, I've, you know, been exposed to some really cool, uh, you know, teachers at the, out of the RSC and, you know, out of the UK. And there's some really cool exercises that, that even at my advanced eloquent age, um, was like, wow, this is really cool. So I just wanted to share them with you because I know that we're all teachers too. And, um, if you would just, Sylvius, that speech where you say, so holy and so perfect is my love. I only picked this one because it's a really good example of what I want to talk about. So um, if you if you have a character, if you have a line, I, you know, I was talking about having a line that's filled with um, monosyllables, words that have one syllable, like, for what had he to do to chide at me, I... Um, I love those. And I've, and the common wisdom is that it forces you to slow down. It's somebody who's trying to work things out. Philippa, you know, if you, if you feel differently, just shout out, but that the single syllable words is somebody who's trying to come up with a solution for an issue. They're working through something. And then if you have a multi-syllable word, what does that tell us? What does that mean for us? So Jamie, Look at that speech, so holy and so perfect is my love. And I want you to find multi-syllable words that have single-syllable words on either side. So short word, long word, and then a short word. A single-syllable word on either side of a multi-syllable word. Right. So holy and so perfect is my love, and I in such a poverty of grace that I shall think it a most plenteous crop to glean the broken ears that after the man that the main harvest reaps. Loose now and then a scattered smile, and that I'll live upon. So what has been suggested to me is if you have a single syllable word on either side, bookending a multi-syllable word, and if you have a character like Sylvius, and all of these exercises, like all of the exercises, if it's useful, if you can use it, if it it opens a door for you, great. But if it doesn't, move on. Um, 
Is he proud of big words? Is he pulling big words together and super proud of them? And so you could choose to use the single syllable word as like, ta-da, look at this fancy word I'm about to say. It kind of like shines a spotlight on the multi-syllable word. If you, if that works yeah. for you, if it's, if it's something cool for you. So can you do that again and be, maybe Sylvius is really proud of his vocabulary, proud of the language that he's pulling together. So holy and so perfect is my love. And I in such a poverty of grace that I shall think it a most plenteous crop to glean the broken ears after the man that the main harvest reaps. Loose now and then a scattered smile and that I'll live upon. How did that feel? That's fun. And what's so interesting is that speech, perfect poverty and plenteous. What's up with all the P words? Yeah. It's just interesting. It's just kind of fun. And you can play around with it and use it if you like it, but um, I think it's kind of cool. And it also connects so beautifully to the way that wealth and poverty, I'm going to use another P word, peppers this play. So the idea of, you know, Celia and Rosalind come into the forest and Celia immediately says, oh, I'd like to buy this spot. It's really attractive. And so they're used to having plenty and suddenly to be in an arena of poverty um, where money, there's no clock in the forest and there's no use for money in the forest. And yet to have those notions be um, be the basis of a lot of the feelings about emotion, are so it's so beautiful. And I, you know... Yeah. I mean, we, what do you know about poverty, Sylvius? You've you've only been here. Yes. Yes, and and that I'm, you know, the 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 smallest, uh, um, the, the the slightest show of affection, I, I I'll I can feast upon. Um, so another, another example of um, this exercise being being kind of cool, and it, 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 what you were just doing, Jamie, reminded me of this speech uh, from Viola's ring speech. My master loves her dearly, and I, poor monster, fond as much on him, and she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. So those words are having to be searched for. And then interestingly enough, all three M's and she's like titling, um, Orsino is my master. I poor monster and she mistaken. So if you subscribe to the notion that he didn't do anything by accident, it's kind of, it's just kind of a, another cool way into the text. I think. Uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, 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 Form and function. Excellent. Um, okay, great. Do you want to do this scene again? Or, um, Philippa, did you have anything else? 
So also, Erica and and Megan, if you want to uh, play around with that too, looking for those multisyllable words bookended by uh, monosyllable words, it's just fun, you know, a peevish boy. You know, maybe that's a word that Phoebe needs to search for and then she finds it and she's kind of proud of it. Um, it's not anything that I think anybody would pick up in performance, but, um, you know, I think that that especially the rustic characters are proud of the language, proud of them being able to, cicatrice, wow, where'd you pull that from, you know? <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I think it lends itself because Phoebe is what I call an ardent seven. She's smart and she's gorgeous <laughs> and uh, she has no competition, so there's no, <laughs> so, you know, an ardent seven. That's me. That's the, like my favorite thing I got out of this whole process is Arden Seven. <laughs> so bad. Now with Rosalind, who speaks like this all the time, um, you know, when she pulls out any of her lineaments, does she use that language all the time? It doesn't stand out. It doesn't get a shot light spotlight. I think on so. Her. Yeah, she's such a language lady. That's like her. That's her. 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 Mo. So I think for her, it's like, of course you would say that instead of her looks, you know. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Should we do it one more time? Mm-hmm. Because I think you guys are so spectacular. I'm actually going to be sad to say goodbye to y'all at the end of this. But, but, um, but, it, but using the French from Arden, it won't be goodbye. It'll be au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> so <laughs> next time. <laughs> I, thought you, I think you guys are just spectacular. And um, it's been an honor and a privilege. So let's just go for it. Blow at the stops. You know, have a good time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it without self view this time and, and see see what happens. That makes any difference. <laughs> I yeah, I don't want to see myself. No, it's uh, it's horrific. Okay. <clears throat> oh, Phoebe. Phoebe, Phoebe, oh, corn, that thou knewest how I do love her. No, corn, being old, thou canst not guess. Though in thy youth, Thou wast as true a lover as ever sighed upon a midnight pillow. But if thy love were ever like to mine, as sure <laughs> I think never did man love so. How many actions most ridiculous hast thou been drawn to by thy fantasy? Oh. Thou didst then never love so heartily if thou rememberest not the slightest folly that ever love did make thee run into, thou hast not loved. Or if thou hast not sat as I do now, wearing thy hearer in thy mistress' praise, thou hast not loved. Or if thou hast not broke from company, Abruptly, as my passion now makes me, thou hast not loved. Oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe. Oh, oh. 
Oh, sweet Phoebe. <laughs> Do not scorn me. Do not, Phoebe, say that thou love me not, but say not so in bitterness. The common executioner whose heart the accustomed sight of death makes hard falls not the axe upon the humbled neck, but first begs pardon. <laughs> Will you sterner be than he that dies and lives by bloody drops? I would not be thy executioner. I fly thee, for I would not injure thee. Thou tellst me there is murder in mine eye. Tis pretty sure and very probable that eyes that are the frailest and softest things who shut their coward gates on atomies should be called tyrants, butchers, murderers. <clears throat> now, I do frown on thee with all my heart and... If mine eye can wound, now <clears throat> let them kill thee. Hmm? Now, counterfeit to swoon. Yep. Uh, fall down. Why now fall down? Or if thou canst not. No, for shame, for shame. Lie not to say mine eyes are murderers. <laughs> now, show the wound mine eye hath made thee. Hmm? Scratch thee but with a pin, and there remains some scar of it. Lean upon a rush, the cicatrice and capable impressure thy palm some moment keeps. <laughs> but now mine eyes, which I have dirted at thee, hurt thee not, nor I am sure there is no force in eyes that can do hurt. Oh, dear Phoebe, uh, if ever as that ever may be near. You meet in some fresh cheek the power of fancy, then shall you know the wounds invisible that love's keen arrows make. But till that time, come not thou near me. And when that time comes, afflict me with thy mocks. Pity me not, as till that time I shall not pity thee. Oh. And why, I pray you, who might be your mother that you insult, exalted all at once over the wretched? But though you have no beauty, by my faith, I can see no more in you than without candle may go dark to bed. Must you therefore be proud and pitiless? By what means this? Why look you so on me? I see no more in you than in the ordinary of nature's sail. Odds my little life, I think she means to tangle my eyes too. Ah, <laughs> no, faith, proud mistress, hope not after it. Tis not your inky brow, your black silk hair, your bugle eyeballs, nor your cheek of cream can entame my spirit to your worship. You foolish shepherd, wherefore do you follow her like foggy south puffing with wind and rain? You are a thousand times a proper man than she, a woman. To such fools as you make the world full of ill-favored children. <laughs> Tis not her glass, but you that flatter her. And out of you, she sees herself more proper than any of her liniments can show her. But mistress, know thyself. Down on your knees and thank heaven, fasting for a good man's love. For I may tell you, friendly in your ear, 
sell when you can. You are not for all markets. Cry the man mercy. Love him. Take his offer. Foul is most foul being foul to be a scoffer. So take her to you, shepherd. Fare you well. Sweet youth, I pray you chide a year together. <laughs> I had rather hear you chide than this man woo. <laughs> He's fallen in love with your foulness. Oh. And she'll fall in love with my anger. <laughs> If it be so, as fast as she answers thee with frowning looks, I'll fuss her with bitter words. Why look you so upon me? For no ill will I bear you. <coughs> I pray you do not fall in love with me, for I am falser than vows made in wine. Besides, I like you not. Oh, if you will know my house, it's at the tuft of olives here hard by. Shepherd, ply her hard. Shepherdess, yes. look on him better and be not proud. If all the world can see, none could be so abused in sight as he. Take her to you, shepherd. Dead shepherd, now I find thy soft might. Whoever loved that loved not at first sight. <laughs> Sweet Phoebe. <laughs> what sayest thou, Silvius? Sweet Phoebe, pity me. Why, I am sorry for thee, gentle Silvius. Wherever sorrow is, relief would be if you do sorrow at my grief in love. By giving your love, your sorrow, uh, by giving love, your sorrow, and my grief were both exterminated. Thou hast my love. Is that not neighborly? <laughs> yeah, I would have you. <laughs> Why, that were covetousness, Silvius. The time was that I hated thee, and yet it is not that I bear thee love. I will endure. And I'll employ thee, too. <laughs> but do not look for further recompense than thine own gladness that thou art employed. So holy and so perfect is my love, and I in such a poverty of grace that I shall think it a most plenteous crop to glean the broken ears after the man that the main harvest reaps. Loose now and then a scattered smile, and that I'll live upon. <laughs> no, Sal, the youth that spoke to me here a while? Not very well. Oh. But I have met him off, and, and he hath bought the cottage and the bounds that the old car lot once was master of. <laughs> Think not I love him, though I ask for him. Tis but a peevish boy, yet he talks well. But what care I for words? <laughs> Yet words do well when he that speaks them pleases those that hear. It is a pretty youth. No, not very pretty. But sure, ah, he's proud. And yet his pride becomes him. 
he'll make a proper man. <laughs> the best thing in him is his complexion. And faster than his tongue did make offense, his eye did heal it up. Who's not very tall, yet for his years tall. His leg is but so-so, and yet tis well. Oh, there was a pretty redness in his lip, a little riper and more lusty red than that mixed in his cheek. It was just the difference betwixt the constant red and mingled damask. Ah! There be some women, Sylvius, uh, that had they marked him in parcels, as I, I did, would have gone near to fall in love with him. But for my part, I love him not. Or hate him oh. not. <laughs> and yet, I have more cause to hate him than to love him. For what did he to do to chide at me? He said mine eyes were black and my, my hair black. And now I am remembered. Oh! <gasps> Scorn at me! Oh, I marvel why I answered not again. Oh, but that's all one. Omittance is no quittance. Ha-ha! I'll write to him a very taunting letter, and thou shalt bear it. Wilt thou, Sylvius? Phoebe, with all my heart. I will write it straight. The matter's in my head and in my heart. I will be bitter with him and passing short. Go with me, Sylvius. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Very, very sweet. Well, that was all over the map for me. <laughs> but it was fun still. So fun. I was cackling. Nathan, did love. you enjoy that? It was, it was great. I mean, one of the first things I was thinking was it was really wonderful to see the different levels of Phoebe and Sylvia's relationship, like throughout the scene, just the, and I think it was different from the first time you guys ran it, um, that they, that you were just finding new dynamics in how they were relating pre and post Ganymede, um, you know, it just like that. And that was hilarious to see that, that there was some sensitivity there. And then, and, and, you know, and then Phoebe would go back into herself and think about Ganymede, you know, so that, it was just really fun to see, but I thought it was, uh, it was a lot of fun that, that second round, even if it, I mean, this, this is the actor thing. You can get off stage and be like, Oh God, that was horrible. And people are like, it was wonderful. The best performance you've ever given. Um, so whatever, you know, however you thought, I, I really enjoyed it. It sounded like Elizabeth did too. I think you all were just so, like so free and just having a great yeah. time. And uh, Megan, I loved your, like, you're like bemused and, and also like p pitying. There, there was this, this feeling for, for both of them of, Oh, bless your hearts. You know, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I also got that the sense that it was like Rosalind, uh, I have such bigger fish to fry <laughs> right now than to deal with you. Yeah. Either of you. <laughs> right. It's such a like I it's so easy to lose track of like, oh wait, why am I really here? And I'm dressed as a man. 
But yeah. I loved um, that was I'm listening to to Jamie do the the broken ears bit, which is a line I, I love. Um, but a line that that you ended up cutting with with she says, "Well, you can stick around because you talk about love really well." And so I feel like if that line were back in, then he'd be like, "Oh, I'm I'm talking about love. I got this, you know." And and all this poetic language about the harvest and the broken. Oh yeah, ears yeah, that's a really good is, point. Is, yeah, I love like and and with that with like. I got the poetry. I'm going to do the poetry. You know, it's just it's delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's always an argument. I know about you go. You know, you get cast in a Shakespeare play, and then you get the cut of the play, and then you read it, and you go, "But wait a second, yeah, this connects to this thing that happened before, and you can't cut that." You know, and so yeah. and always you go into those you know, first table reads and then you start doing table work and you go, you know, okay, I got to negotiate this. How am I going to work? You know, this is what I'm fighting for. Yeah. Mixed battles. Now I was, I was thinking if I ever, if I ever got to do this on stage, one of the things I would love to play with physically, and it would be an interesting challenge sort of playing with it here that, you know, Silvius and Phoebe, they're slim pickings in Ardenforst. And so that, that, Phoebe needs Sylvius around because it makes her feel good. And so the idea of saying, go away while she's striking his chest, you know, something, something fun like that, just to torture the crap out of him that keeps him around too, you know. Just when, enough. Uh, That's right. Yeah. When I played yeah. Phoebe, my very first professional Shakespeare play, I played Phoebe and I, and, when I was doing the monologue um, with the whole, like, think not I love him, eventually I started, he sat at the edge of the stage and he had this beautiful, all of the shepherds were all Irish um, and they were all gorgeous. And, but he had this gorgeous curly hair and I, he was sitting at the edge of the stage and I started like playing with his hair absentmindedly. And there's a picture of me from the, the, the Boston paper and, and he ends up with his hat over his crotch, you know, to hide his, cause he's like in agony. And I'm just like, Futzing with his hair, thinking about Ganymede, and it was like this lovely way of playing this triangle. It was, I, it was what I was. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's like he's like Sylvius is like an like an like an appendage, <laughs> you know. Like he's always there. Like of course he's going to be there. I don't have to be nice to him. Yeah, yeah. But it would be fun to see you do something like that more intentionally. Yeah. Like what does that mean? Lure and and then to play with whether how intentional it is. Right. If it's just practiced and this is just sort of, she needs this attention, you know, being an Arden seven. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just so much fun. So much fun. There's so much that you can do, you know, physically in the theater. Like, um, you know, I've, I've done the scene where Sylvius is doing push-ups and, you know, flexing and trying to show off his muscles and try, just anything to try to get her attention. It's fun. Yeah. You, yeah. That's good. That's good. And I also love that you don't have to do anything physical for it to be hilarious. Like you, like, like I've seen, I've seen it from all the way from like enormous physical comedy by incredibly gifted physical actors. And then like, you actually, you like, that's really fun. And then you don't have to do it all. You could just stand and talk to each other. And it's, and it's just as funny. And I just, I love that, that there's so many options. Um, I, I wanted to, to chime in with a couple of questions and, and I'll uh, just uh, remind people, the attendees, if, if you have any questions about the process or anyone, you know, specific 
uh, takes on things or, or how they approach something, you can put those questions in the chat. Or uh, we've had people who are, you know, feel like they want to, you know, come on the screen. You can always raise your Zoom hand or, or you know, unmute yourself or whatever. I think you can all, uh, I believe you can all do that. But anyway, um, I wanted to, for the benefit of the uh, for the attendees, there were a couple of things that were, were, were fun that I wanted to just highlight. Um, and I alluded to at the top. So, Jamie, when we involved you in the scene, I did not know your history with Sylvius. And do you think you could just share that story of, of how you first worked on this character? And then and then maybe a little bit about coming back to him, you know, and, uh, you know, at, at a different point in your life and a different point, you know, in, in your kind of love trajectory, uh, like what, what it was like to reconnect with Sylvius. No, I can't do that. <laughs> He's such a giving actor, folks. I will. Uh, no, I, I was uh, I was a founding member of Shakespeare and Company uh, a billion years ago, and uh, I was at uh, a uh, it was it was the first January workshop that Shakespeare and Company did at the Mount, and we had a bunch of people that were staying in the uh, um, in the Mount, uh, and some people that were spread out over the property of the. The Edith Wharton estate, and uh, and uh, there was an incident where I tried to switch over the uh, uh, oil, the, the extra oil tank, because somebody needed to take a shower and there was no hot water. So I switched this thing over, and uh, oil. It actually I did it wrong, and it started spurting up, and it was kind of a disaster. And I was quite. Uh, uh, um, uh, upset about it. And uh, everybody was pretty upset about it. And at the time, I was working on uh, Sylvia's. I was working on this scene. And, um, you know, I'd had a, I had a talk and, and you know, I was, I was really uh, with Tina Packer and uh, I, I was really quite, uh, uh, I, I was in a state. And um, we came in and, and I thought, I think Kristen was running the, the, the workshop, Kristen Linklater, and she said, just launch into the scene, just in the state you are. I said, I don't think I can work. She says, no, no, yes, you can, just do it. And so I was sobbing. I was really crying, um, and everybody was howling. Uh, the audience was laughing hysterically because of what the context of what I was saying. And in, and in that case, um, it, it worked really, really well. Uh, and it was not it, because it was so it was so organic. It wasn't a it wasn't a conscious choice. It was a state of being, and it just happened to serve that scene. And so when I came back to playing Sylvius this time, I kind of wanted to do that and realized that I couldn't quite get there. <laughs> I couldn't quite. <laughs> You know, it just seemed uh, ridiculous. And what was great is that Elizabeth gave me a direction about trying to find a way to get Phoebe to, you know, pay attention to me, to care about me, you know, to find ways to do that, and which was which was quite active and and really good. But uh, that 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 workshop, that that moment at, at uh, the Mount was a seminal moment in, for me as an actor because it was the difference, it was the first time I think that I had ever worked in a scene where I wasn't, I wasn't controlling it. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, like, like uh, 
or emulate or do something in the manner of. It, it literally, the, 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 the state I was in was serving the scene in spite of me. <laughs> Um, in, in a way that uh, on rare occasions in my career, I've had moments where I've had that feeling where the, uh, I, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't controlling it, the performance and the scene partner and, you know, was just sort of like happening in the moment, you know, and, and uh, our state of being, there was an authenticity to it. You know, and it's, I think the kind of thing that, um, to go, I don't mean to be going on, but it's the, it's the kind of feeling, you don't always get it, you know, and you, that's, it's the drop, what you look for, you know, is that, that golden moment when you're in a scene with somebody or you're in a, in a production and you, you know, and you, it, it, it kind of takes over, you're, you're it's, or, it's an organic, authentic, you know, unmanipulated uh, event. Great. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it was, a, well, thank you very much for sharing that. I, and I, I didn't even know the specifics behind it. I remember you had alluded to something had happened. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit more about that, but um, it's, yeah, it was, it, it's funny here. I've also been hopelessly in love. <laughs> But, you know, and, and that's yeah. that's the job of an actor is that even if it has been some time since that and uh, maybe you're still hopelessly in love, but, you know, being able to reconnect with that part of yourself of what was it like being so hopeless in love and it's and it's unrequited. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's really fun to to see you guys work on that and, and pull these, pull these things out, uh, maybe dust them off a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, uh, uh Erica, with your work on on this, because you, Erica, you've played, you've worked on Rosalind, right? I've done a couple of readings of her. People presume that I've already played her. Okay, but you, but what I wanted to that I didn't, but what what I wanted to highlight is that you were looking forward to working on Phoebe, right? Yeah, I when I was younger, I I well, and I did I deals I. I did the um, and the English I, the old English version of did right? I, Isn't that I did the the uh, Rosalind monologue and why I pray you who oh, might okay. be her mother, um, and you know when in the good old bad old days when I still had to do monologues during auditions and um, uh, which is the challenge in and of itself. But um, yeah, I was always fascinated by all of the bridges parts, and um, and I, I wanted to add sort of go off of. Uh, away for a second from me uh, with Philippa. Philippa actually did a paper in grad school on that very thing about the, the being the same sex and that the women, you know, inside and outside. And then when you look at a, any britches role and you knew that it was played by a young boy. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of, as you like it, she risks, she lifts her skirt too. the, the whole complexity of, of that, because the stuff that I read too, was that the, the same sex, but the women were the less perfect version. Mm-hmm. And that actually they were warned not to exercise too much because they would overheat and the um, penis and testes would drop. Mm-hmm. And that's just not natural. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating thing when you, when you take it all into, you know, context, but yeah. So I just, I just love playing the bridges parts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never understand the actresses who become very strident when they put the pants on. It's like, why? 
this is fun. You're given this liberty with this risk that if you get caught, everything goes to, you know, to the shitter. It's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I answered anything to, to what you were actually speaking. Well, I, uh, no, that, that, that is, uh, no, it's wonderful to hear, hear that. Um, I, I just wanted to highlight why you were excited to work on Phoebe. Because I, you know, I, you, you know, career decision wise, when you decide to stay in town in New York, oftentimes the Shakespeare's that are done in New York city uh, are often now cast with um, names and it doesn't matter with the skill set kind of thing. So to seek those roles, it's it, tough. And so when you have the pressure to stay in town, you don't get to go to Cleveland. You don't get to go to Cincinnati to, to have a shot at Phoebe. And they usually want a younger Phoebe. Right. Although I think it could actually work as a couple of this age. There's right. no, it makes a whole different statement. Yes. Yeah. You know, I absolutely bought it completely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I, about, you know, three seconds in, you're just like, okay, got it. This is Sylvius. This is Phoebe. Like, you don't, you, you're not questioning anymore of like, wait a second, this, hold on. You know, it's like they're, they're farmers, right? They're, they're out in the country. What, what does it matter? And they're it people. It would certainly lend an interesting tone to, um, you know, he'll he'll make a proper man. He's just a boy. You could make a funny, icky joke about that, too. I mean, it's just... You know, I mean, uh, yeah. She's been holding out. <laughs> been holding out. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, if she comes out and see her, uh, I would not be the executioner. You know, <laughs> just like. You've been asking me to marry you for 30 years. <laughs> exactly. Get away from me. Uh, you know. <laughs> And, and, <laughs> well, and, and Megan, you yeah, there's know, a definite oh, sorry, go ahead. factor there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, Megan, I just wanted to highlight that you, you've played both Phoebe and, and Rosalind. And so what was it like for you to return to this scene um, and, and be able to kind of explore things in a different way that it wasn't tied to a specific production, just working on this scene? Yeah, I mean, Rosalind is one of my favorites and it's fun to take it out of context and really, like sometimes when you do a production, or you do a monologue, um, you know, you kind of get into like, this is how I do it. And I like it when things crop up, especially because Erica has worked on it and Elizabeth has worked on it, you know, and so we all have our opinions and our habits and it's fun to sort of like revisit how we say something, why we say something. Oh, you emphasize that. That's interesting. Who might be your mother? Like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, because this is the way it came out of my body and I never, I never analyzed it again, mm -hmm. you know, or, or, you know, what if we take it away from some of the given circumstances and we don't worry quite so much about the fact that, you know, they're on the run and, and whatever, and, and we just enjoy these moments and listen this way. And so for me, you know, like I would play Rosalind three times a year. I think she's just one of the greatest female characters in all of theater and, and uh, her, her, her zest really gets me, which I love. I think all of Shakespeare's great ladies have different things to recommend them, whether it's, you know, power or love or heart or adventure or all of these things. And I think Rosalind is just like a risk taker in a really fun way. Um, 
you know, and sort of she, she, she gets herself in trouble. And it was, it was, and it's funny, you know, like on zoom and Elizabeth did such a nice job of reminding, you know, me of like, you know, like this can't happen right now, but Rosalind can't help herself. Like she's a meddler. She wants, she wants her hands in it, you know? So it's, it's, and it was fun for me too, because I've done the play a couple of times to see really good actors playing Phoebe and Sylvia's. Cause a lot of times those are like, the interns or the, you know, like the kids with a ton of talent who haven't quite figured it out yet, but to have like two like glorious Shakespeare scholars doing these tiny little parts that are just like, I think they're gems. This is, this is my, this and, and much ado are my favorite comedies. And I just, mm. it's, it's like, it's a, it's such a fun little gift to do. Yeah. Well, it, it, it highlights that adage that there are no small parts, you know, it, you, you see how much, you know, uh, a good actor can can mind, or yeah, and a good team, a good uh, you know director, actors, and and whoever else is in the mix. That you know, given the amount, the uh, right amount of time, that you know, there's a lot a uh, lot you can mind from these scenes. Um, I'll just uh, uh, highlight a couple of things. Uh, I, I did see Paul. Thank you for sending in the heart, uh, Megan, as you were talking. So uh, appreciate that. And uh, 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 Joe, you made a comment uh, that uh, uh, you saw James uh, Jamie as the Duke in Measure for Measure. The Goodman Theater was uh, streaming their production of Measure for Measure, and it, you enjoyed seeing that and being able to come and now see him live. Uh, look at the, you know look at the wonderful world we live in. That last night you can be watching a what is it uh, eight eight year or. Eight, eight year old eight production, years, yeah. eight year old production, one night and then the next night, see the same actor do a scene live. So, you know, that's that's the, the neat thing we have in this, uh, you know, uh, that's come out of part of this pandemic. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so uh, Joe, thank you very much for, for being here and sharing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'll just kind of give it another last call for questions or if there's other things that you guys want to discuss uh, or, or talk about in terms of maybe what either challenged you in the scene or you were surprised by, uh, you know, you've certainly answered some of the things and, and Elizabeth, I appreciate you talking uh, and, and demonstrating what you like to work on or try out or focus, uh, you know, as a director. Um, but yeah, I just want to kind of throw that out. If there's anything else that any of you, any of you uh, would like to share in terms of your, uh, uh, your journey with this scene, uh, that would be, that would, that would be wonderful. Well, you all know that 90% of directing is casting well, and it was cast mm -hmm. brilliantly. And I saw, I just, I just felt like just, you know, I'm just going to get out of your way. Mm -hmm. It was really, really fun to watch. I was howling, laughing so hard. You all, yeah, to see such pros just bring it and um, milk it for everything it's worth is so fun. And Elizabeth, just thinking about that, it's so interesting, isn't it? Thinking about how the the, the difference between rehearsing generalities and what happened here, where the actors, the characters, jumped into the scene. So you know they were absolutely human. And we just were in that moment. Whereas when you're rehearsing generalities, as I, I like to think of it, you're actually, you're a step back from your characters. And that's what made this so extraordinary for me. It's funny because the, the, you're, when you and Jamie played with the monosyllabic versus the multisyllabic. <clears throat> and as we were going through the scene, I, I realized how monosyllabic Mm -hmm. Phoebe is 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, I find that to be a clue, mm-hmm. a fun little clue. How can I use this? Where can I, you know, what does this indicative of? What is Shakespeare trying to tell me? You know, I feel like he's giving me a, like a little treasure trove. And he's like, here you go. This is all you need. It's all in here. Whatever you want to do. And the thing that I love about just jumping right in and diving is um, I had a teacher, uh, Richard Easton, and he oh. used to, he used to say to us, you know, try everything in rehearsals, whether or not that ends up being your final choice. The ghost of what you've tried will always be in the performance, which I just love. So like, like your story about your first Sylvius, James, that uh, Jamie, that the, you know, the idea of that is always going to be there. You know, it's just, I, I love that. That just gives so much more nuance and dimension to a character. And Whether you have the same way every time. I've coached actors in that monologue so many times, think not I love him. And sometimes somebody will say, uh, for what had he to do to chide at me? And I'm like, do it all spondy, stress each one, you know, and, and I've had actresses go, what had he to do to chide at me? And actually like the, the and, and it, it's, it's all a way to make it sound like this is the way we talk. And we talk like this all the time. And once you get that feeling, it's, it's so addicting. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it, it's, I, I actually once, <clears throat> I went to Bada, excuse me, um, way back when, and uh, Rosemary Harris uh, taught us a class. And her methodology wasn't some scholarship about it. It was what she called the grunting method. So she said, go through a speech and give the value of syllables certain things. So the first one being just a mm, and then a mm-mm. And then a mm-mm-mm and, and so on. And she says, like music, just listen to yourself, go through it with the syllables. And then you'll suddenly hear, hear like, um, I would not be thy executioner, which is the same sort of idea you were getting at, Elizabeth, that it was, you know, there's a word there that suddenly, bang, hits you. It's like a new chord in the, in the music. I could go on forever about this. Yeah. You're proud of that word and you found that word. I found, thought it's the right word. Executioner. And she's throwing it back at him. Mm-hmm. I only just realized as we're going through the scene, because I had only worked on the monologue, that she's throwing it back at him. And it's just, yeah, it's, which could be also a fun comedic thing with, with she's trying it on. She's never said the word before. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. You know. I don't know how many times I worked on the speech with somebody before I, I clocked the antithesis between I fly thee for I would not injure thee. I'm running away from you so that I don't kill you. That's, you right. Know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. One want- of the things I love about the women in, in this play and actually all of the lovers is they're all right. Like Phoebe's right. She doesn't, she's trying to, she's trying to do the right thing in a way of like, I'm not, I don't want to be here. You know, I'm, I'm not, you're calling me this. I'm not that thing, you know, and Sylvia's knows that actually they really should get together and, you know, touch on an object. Like everybody is like, they're right. And they all have integrity. And I yeah. just, I, I love that about, I th- and I think that's true pretty much all throughout Shakespeare is everybody has integrity of who they are. Yeah. Even if they're not good people. I'm dying to ask you, um, since you've played Rosalind, 
Um, and it just occurred to me right now that is Rosalind starting to get a little bit arrogant? She's dressed as Ganymede and she's got this scheme going with Orlando. You're just going to come to me and pretend that I'm Rosalind. And so she thinks that she can fix everything. I, th- I think, I, I think that's part of, I think, yeah, but, but I think that's just part of who she is. Cause she, she does it back in, 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 uh, in, the court too that she's like we got a thing and we're gonna do a thing and we're gonna you know i got a plan and we're gonna fix it and like i don't think she ever sits back and is like i'll just see what happens you know and i think that she falls in love with being a man because it's so free and i think like she i think they're like what would she lose if she if she let orlando know that she was her before she was ready to give up being a man she has to she has to teach him first like this is who I am I am all of this you know and I think that 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 sort of um commitment to being a whole person the more she learns about being a whole person that she sees it in everybody else and I think there's that sense of like you know I want Celia to be happy and I I want Sylvia's to be happy and I you know, and, and I, and I feel like that, yeah. And I, I don't know if it's arrogance. I think, I mean, I, I think I, I try to be generous with people and I, and I, I yeah. have it and I don't think that that's necessary. I'm not saying you are, I'm saying like, for me, the word arrogant feels like a negative. Yeah. I didn't mean it in a negative, but right. I don't like, so. I can do anything. I yes. Can, yes. Omnipotent yeah. would be better. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. She feels like she's like, this is going well. Everything is going well. I'm going to do it all, you know, and I love it. And I think that's one of the things. That's why I love like, like Jamie and I did. You could yeah. argue Rosalind thinks on her feet more uh, adroitly and more uh, uh, clearly and swiftly than any of uh, the women. I mean, I, 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 you know, I mean, I know that there's a certain amount of insecurity with Rosalind, but in the moment, those scenes you know, with Orlando, her thinking, her uh, and and it's coming to her in the moment, you know, is is so extraordinary. Viola, I think, is much more insecure. Uh, uh, I mean, she she's more tap dancing, you know, and sort of trying to. Uh, uh, but but Rosalind, man, I mean, she's just she's just in that moment and knows exactly what to say. And I think uh, often, to, you know, in a way, it surprises her how how adept she's she is you know what i mean i'm trying to think there's another shakespeare character that oh no that's um cyrano when cyrano is speaking for christian in the uh roxanne you know balcony scene he even outdoes himself that he's like overwhelmed with with his ability you know he's never he's never been able to to speak like this and he, he he impresses himself he blows himself away you know and, and I, I i think there's that with rosalind yeah i you know and i think it can't be uh uh like with phoebe the idea that the moment she sees ganymede it's probably the first time her hormones went <laughs> you know and that 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 first experience of that has got to be like, and then to discover at the end of the play that it was a woman all along, the confusion, you know, of that, but I want to feel that feel, those feels again. And then maybe it does. Oh, hi, Sylvia. You know, but also with, you know, Rosalind, that courage of, of having seen Orlando in the court and having the feels 
And then getting to see him again in the forest and having an opportunity where it's that double-edged sword. You get to talk to him and say anything because you're a guy, but oh my God, I really want to stick my tongue down his throat. You know, it's that kind of... (laughs) And there are those weird moments where I feel like Orlando is always like, like, when does he catch on and how do they keep playing? I think is always a really fun question in this play because there is like, you know, they cross the line a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, that's the funny, like, uh, the, I saw Mark Rylance's company do Twelfth Night and Richard III. And I thought that they captured the best dynamic between Viola and Orsino. And they're listening to the music and Orsino's confusion was so palpable and it was marvelous. And then at the end, when he sees it's woman, it's it's so layered with everything, his joy and like a huh, and it just that is so funny. And it's that that tight that that thing that works in Shakespeare. It's why we still do Shakespeare, you know. I just he's good. He should he should do this for a career. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it, that Orlando is not a good poet, um, not particularly adept with words, but he can beat Charles the wrestler. He's really good physically. He's a little like Christian in Sarah. Yeah, yeah. And he's clearly a good person. And I think there's that whole, like, the whole thing with his dad and the, the court and all the politics and stuff like that. But I love that that Rosalind doesn't want to be saved because mm-hmm. she could tell Orlando like, hey, this is what's going on. Be on our side. And she doesn't. I think that's. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by- I, 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 Sorry, I've decided, but I, I, I just realized I remembered that Sylvius is the one that does uh, Good Shepherd tell these people what it is to love. Yeah, he has that eloquent. It is to be all size, all this, all that. And so <laughs> am I for Phoebe, and so am I, and so am I for no. no yeah, woman. that's <laughs> right, no woman. But but that that that's such a grace moment, you know, <laughs> uh, that Sylvia articulates, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the poet. Pop in my head. Mm. No, it's a beautiful moment. Well, uh, this has been wonderful. It's just great to kind of be a fly on the wall as you guys continue to discuss the scene. Um, but, uh, you know, just kind of looking at the clock and, and being mindful of uh, everyone's schedule, I think we can wrap up the public uh, part of this uh, presentation. So thank you again uh, for the attendees who uh, were uh, part of this, uh, spending some of your, uh, your evening with uh, us doing some Shakespeare. Hey, it's Nathan here one more time. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love going back. I mean, every time I watch these, I'll learn something new. Uh, The work is just so fantastic and so deep. Uh, It's just wonderful. So I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, And like I said, the plan is to roll out more of these. So please stay tuned to the podcast uh, or YouTube. Um, you know, I'll really, I'm really making an effort to, uh, you know, put more of this out there and not just uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not on the email list, go to workingactorsjourney.com. Um, that is usually uh, where you will find out first about things that are coming up. 
you know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is, again, going to be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com. It's free to sign up. You can even get uh, a resource. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Uh, Some of the uh, best advice from, I think, the first two seasons of the show uh, in a PDF. So you get that immediately when you uh, sign up. Uh, You get that free. And then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing. So that is it. Hope you're having a great rest of your day. Look forward to sharing more with you soon. And take care. I'm Nathan Agin. And enjoy the journey.